You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We got a great guest and a great friend on the show today. We want to welcome the VP of Sales at Senior Living Transparency Council, Nathan Jones. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you guys. Very good to see you. Um, this has been a long time coming. We're surprised that you haven't been on the show already. There's uh, so many synergies here. Um, we have very similar mindsets about how the Bridge the Gap mission is laid out and how your personal passions intersect with seniors and senior housing. Um, you are now starting this new Senior Living Transparency Council to basically further that mission um, to change perceptions of what senior living is and to develop trust and build change. Um, so Nathan, talk to us first of starting your young career in senior living. How did that happen? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, and you know, I, I wish I could say that I grew up wanting to work in senior living because now knowing what I, I do, I would probably, you know, as a kid, I loved hanging out with my grandma and, and, um, that was like the highlight of my day. And, uh, I probably would have chose senior living if I knew anything about it, but, um, I actually was, uh, coaching football at the university of Georgia, got out of it. Um, it was my dream as a kid to coach there and, and it happened a little bit differently than I thought it would. Uh, but when, uh, coach Rick left, um, there was a player on the team that was actually starting a company. Uh, using Fitbit data to monitor athletes, um, monitor their sleep and activity. And I was actually up at the ACC basketball tournament back in 2015, no, 2016, I was in the ACC basketball tournament and uh, met a guy named John Glass. He was working at Thrive Senior Living. Now he's become a dear friend of mine. Um, but I was telling, telling him what I was doing with uh, college athletes. And he was like, He's like, man, we want to we want to monitor our residents and see, you know, create competition and walking cl- clubs and things like that, similar to, you know, what college coaches are doing with their athletes. And he's like, I was like, senior living community is like a, a nursing home. Like I, you know, I went to when I was a kid, but kind of didn't smell too great, sang Christmas carols, and wanted to get out as quickly as possible. He's like, no, it's. It's changed a lot in 20 years. I think he's like, I think you'll be surprised. Come to a grand opening. And uh, so I flew up to to Virginia. Um, I was working on a college budget. So I slept in the airport, covered up with my tuxedo that I wore to the, um, to the grand opening, but absolutely fell in love with the industry. Met uh, the IN2L team where I worked for the last four years. Um, and just was blown away with the people there, the residents there. I talked to a lady who visited her old home and started telling stories about it. And so then for the next year, you know, as we, I was working for this old company, um, I just would go and have happy hours at four o'clock, a couple of times a week with a local Atlanta communities. Rebecca Sturts was uh, filling in for an ED at the time, and she'd let me come anytime I wanted 
sit around, just listen to stories. Uh, and if you ever needed a confidence booster, you just go to a senior living community and they'll tell you everything you want to hear. And they all have a, a granddaughter or a daughter that they want to introduce you to, which is always funny. Um, but yeah, I just fell in love with, started going and then got a job at INTL and, um, here I am. I, I, this has become a passion of mine. Um, uh, I'm very, very thankful that God led me this way and, and having no idea what I was going to do out of college and, and getting out of coaching, I, I was kind of lost for a year on a career path and thank God that I stumbled into it. Um, through, you know, John Glass and, and um, some great people. So here I am. It's been about five years of, of knowing, being aware of senior living, and I feel like I learn something new every day. Well, um, you know, I love your story. I know I can speak for me and Lucas. We have really enjoyed getting to know you, spending time together over the last several years. Uh, gosh, not only at events, but Braves games and all over the place. It's been a lot of fun. I'm ashamed that we have not had you on our show yet. Um, you know, I, I've shared this with you. I remember one of the things that sticks out um, about, you know, our kind of getting to know each other relationship. We were at a, an event in Atlanta and I had just come off of some panel I was speaking at. And I think we were talking about marketing or sales or something like that. And it got into talking about um, the older and the younger generations and millennials and what millennials think and their perception of senior living. And I felt really good about the conversation we had on the stage until I came off and talked to you. And, and you're like, hey, Josh, you know, um, I, I think it's kind of interesting that you guys are always talking about what the younger generation thinks, but you never have any of the younger generation on your panel and just ask them what they think. And I remember thinking, I don't know whether to be offended or just tell you that's the greatest question ever and, and smack myself. But I, I so appreciated and that stuck with me about just how common sense, what a great question. And you as, as a young leader at that time, um, not being afraid to ask the somewhat, what should be obvious question. And it challenged me uh, to really start doing that. And um, so I, I've so appreciated you, but to kind of dovetail off that, I mean, what do you think as you're looking you, now, you've, you're no longer a new executive, a new leader. You're, you're a seasoned leader in senior living and helping to launch a new company. What, as you look at our landscape of our industry, what is it, that from your lens, you feel like our industry really needs to do better? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, millennials, if you look at studies on millennials, millennials value like purpose and mission driven fields more than anything else. I mean, more than even salary in a lot of cases. Um, and senior living brings that mission driven field that so many people are looking for with an opportunity to grow quickly in your career. I mean, uh, there's so much opportunity in senior living. Uh, and it, you combine that with the mission side, it is the most attractive industry that no one knows about. Um, and so I, you know, I, I've, I always ask that question. I, you you got to have to ask your question, that question to yourself, 
you know, every month is, you know, how are people consuming content? What are people looking at? What am I looking at when I'm scrolling through a feed and my iPhone tells me that I've spent, you know, an hour and a half on social media today, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, what, you know, what am I spending my time on? What are others spending their time on when a commercial comes on television and someone's charging a hundred thousand dollars for that commercial? Well, I just look at my phone and I go on Instagram and, and LinkedIn. So understanding where people's attention's at, sharing those good stories, sharing that message of opportunity for growth and a mission um, oriented industry. Uh, I, I think that senior living has that. We, we have that type of industry. We just haven't updated the way that we share that messaging. We haven't, you know, I, I was sitting uh, at a conference you know, when, when we met like three years ago, um, a month before I was at a conference, it was a long session. And, uh, I asked people, I was like, do you guys have Instagram? No one had an Instagram at the time. And I was like, well, they were like, our, our clients aren't on Instagram. The people that we're trying to reach aren't on Instagram. I was like, well, their grandkids are, and that's where they're posting pictures of their kids. And I was like, so if they're posting, if that's only where they're posting their pictures, who do you think is going to download Instagram when they can't see pictures of their grandkids anymore? It's your target market. And so I actually went and created a, a, an awards count back five years ago called Southern senior living awards. And it got 12 or 13,000 followers pretty quickly. And it was just sharing good news of senior living. So I think as an industry, as a whole, we have all these stories in our, in our belt, but we don't, ever share them with the rest of the world. We, we kind of keep them close hearted for whatever reason. Um, but I think that the more we can share those stories and, 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 uh, share why we love our jobs and why others should work in senior living and let residents tell the story and let other staff people tell the story. Um, I think that authentic type of content, um, can really change the perception of, uh, of senior living. So you touched on a couple of things. Um, I think it was, you know, the, the different channels maybe, and, um, the, the different types of content. What are some of the initiatives? Cause I, you, you said something and I think what you said was, um, not too many people know about senior living. I, I would also add to that. I think a lot of people think they know about senior living and that's the perception piece. That's just not accurate because I've heard you mention specifically some studies that show this idea of the perception being from a lot of people outside of the industry that think they know the industry. It's a, it's a distrust. It's not trusting our, our industry with the care that, that we all know that happens like the great care that happens, but maybe the perception outside the industry is that that doesn't happen what are some specific initiatives maybe that you have are doing or plan to do um, personally uh, through all of your channels, but also through what your new launch is doing to help to kind of change that perception? Can you walk our listeners through some of that? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great point. It's, it's some people don't know anything about senior living, but the ones that do don't trust senior living communities. Yeah, we, so we actually, when I was working at IN2L, um, like everyone, I was reading story after story, negative story after story, 
um, about senior living um, through different media outlets. Um, one McKnight study said that 49% of baby boomers don't trust senior living communities to keep their loved ones safe. And so if safety, you know, if I don't think someone's going to keep my grandma safe, there's no way, how, no matter how good your food is, how many activities you have, I'm not going to, she's not going to live there. And so how do we fix that? How do we, you know, there are some communities that we need to worry about in senior living, not saying everyone is an amazing community and everyone should go live at any community that's out there, but there are some really, really good communities, ones that residents are extremely happy, families are extremely happy, staff is extremely happy, and they're not, they don't have any clinical red flags with, you know, the state reporting um, data, like they're not abusing residents or anything like that. So how do we, you know, when we were uh, launching the Senior Living Transparency Council, that's what we kept going back to. How do we build the trust with that 49% of people that know about senior living, but don't trust them? or don't trust us. And so we thought that if you could prove that those three people are happy, the residents, the families, and the staff, and show that there's no red, any clinical red flags, then we could create a seal or a certification that says, hey, these are the communities that you can trust. They, they have proven those people are happy and they don't have any clinical red flags. So when someone earns that, what we call the clear seal, we're going to promote the heck out of them to start, you know, working to change that perception uh, with, you know, people who, who are outside the senior living industry that, you know, frankly, in a, in a lot of cases need it. Um, I mean, the baby boomer generation, most of them have a parent that at some point over the next few years, they're going to need to, to shop for senior living communities. And if they don't trust um, the senior living industry as a whole, they're going to do their best to keep their their mom or dad at home. And so that's ultimately why we started to build that trust. There's a lot of cool you know benefits outside of that, but um, just doing things like that. Uh, you know, there's, like I said, there's so much neg negativity. I don't know if you guys saw that John Oliver episode, uh, you know, back in March, but it's like a, an example from 10 years ago that doesn't really, you know, it's, it's one snapshot that people, the, his audience, I would say 90% of his, his audience saw that one snapshot of senior living, made a judgment and probably will never think about senior living again because of what he said. And for us, how do we combat that? We can't just ignore it. You have to combat that. Like James Lee came out with a great article, Dear John, and, you know, highly recommend anyone to go read that. Um, but sharing positive stories, combat that negativity with stories of our resident, firsthand stories from the resident or firsthand stories from staff members uh, to really, you know, ultimately start changing perception. And, and it doesn't happen overnight. Everyone wants a quick fix to, to check it off their box and say, okay, we posted on Instagram. Now we're going to change the perception of, in, or of senior living in our community. It, it takes time and patience and recognizing what people engage with and what people don't engage with and slowly building that brand of senior living or brand of your your communities or your company over time and um, there's not a quick fix to it unfortunately so that's well, where we're at a lot of good stuff that you just unpacked for us there i love the word transparency because you've got to have that to build trust and you know uh from my you know viewpoint i think um there's no doubt 
all of us, all of, you know, our communities, there's always things we can improve on. Sometimes bad things happen in our industry. Thankfully, the, the great outweighs the, the bad. And we do have to be better at sharing those awesome stories and have some unified messaging. But in full transparency, owning the mistakes and owning the areas that you can improve on also helps to build trust. So I love that word transparency. And, you know, as, as we begin to move forward, I love that you guys have a kind of an award seal, um, a seal of approval or, or however you refer to that, because um, I, I do think um, at its most organic point, our industry has some opportunities that they can overcome that we can overcome together because unlike a lot of industries that have layers and layers of federal national red tape from a regulatory compliance standpoint that in many many could argue i could argue all day that doesn't really improve necessarily quality it does increase mm -hmm. cost and sometimes reduces access um, contrary to popular belief our industry predominantly is is state and at a much more local level regulated. And I think what happens is there's a ton of great information out there on things like you touched on a community's deficiency reports. Like what are they doing well? What are they not doing well according to their regulatory boards? But because that's state regulated, it's if you're a consumer, it can be very confusing and a little bit vague to know where you find the resources to find how communities rank and and what services they offer because we're blessed with huge amounts of service offerings that differ from community to community. So what you guys are doing, I think, is really um, uh, great because if if we can grow that, if Bridge the Gap can also help you grow that and our listeners can help grow by subscribing to that program, you know, we can help um, distribute that hopefully to the folks outside of our industry to, to help them navigate and to find the places that are for sure doing awesome things and build that transparency and trust for the industry. So Lucas, you're sitting there very quiet. Um, for those that can't see, you've got this flame on your head, the, the ignite flame and igniting change. So weigh in on this, man. Yeah, build trust and ignite change. I mean, that's why we have Nathan on the show is because these are really in line with all of the missions that Bridge the Gap has had for so, so long, which is inform, educate, influence. And a byproduct of that is changing perception of what senior living is. And we're so glad that Nathan is in the fight um, on the offense. I think it's time to get off defense and be on the offense. When it comes to this, we need to tell the stories and not let, um, and not have the senior living industry chase all the bad stories down. Um, and I think this is a big part of that. And as technology grows and more people into this space, you're going to see more of these conversations happening on social, um, and on all the various different platforms. And over time, it is going to help paint the picture more accurately about what this industry is. So before we conclude, uh, there's also a very special, uh, another passion project that you're very interested in, Nathan, which is Francis from Cameroon. And we were very blessed to have Francis on episode 139. To our listeners, you can go back and listen to that. Go to bgvoice.com and search episode 139 
or on your podcast player and listen to Francis. Um, so Nathan, tell us what Francis is doing and tell us about the upcoming telethon to help raise money for the cause. Yeah. That, I mean, that gives my, the hair on my arms to stand up a little bit talking about Francis and just, you know, I got videos from his kids yesterday drinking the clean water that they had and they didn't have to hike miles and miles away to get it because of the telethon last year. So, um, anyways, uh, Jack, if you don't know the story, I have tons of videos, um, to tell the story, but Jack met this guy named Francis at a global leading age conference, Jack York. Um, this was like five years ago, donated 500 bucks, wired it over after meeting him for 10 minutes. And through with that 500 bucks, Francis set up the, uh, the Northeast Cameroon Jack York elderly women's goat fund and bought a goat that supported the villages out there. And so, you know, out of curiosity, uh, um, Jack and him began, began a relationship. Jack went out there. And then last year during the pandemic, uh, Melissa Banco from Banco Design, one of the most amazing women I know, uh, she actually started a water project to start providing clean water for Francis. And so Jack and Melissa teamed up. I was still at IN12 at the time. I, I started a, you know, a little side project where I do video work um, called Dash Media, um, all about living your dash, and, and it kind of fit the theme. And so I started doing the videos for the, this telethon because we were all – you know, used to those virtual kind of events last year. And so last year we um, did the first annual CDBTA, which is the organization out in Cameroon, uh, telethon raised $50,000. Jack and Melissa were the hosts. Through that, we were able to provide clean water to, you know, several villages out there. There's 14 villages. Uh, I think we're close to halfway off the check, check the numbers on that. Um, But clean water where, you know, if you imagine like, I mean, you go to the refrigerator and sometimes we're too lazy. We ask whoever's in the room with us to go grab us some water from the fridge. These people have to walk miles and miles and miles to get clean water. And then the girls, you know, we, we woke up growing up complaining to our parents that we didn't want to go to school that day. Some girls out there can't go to school after their, uh, after they hit puberty because they don't have bathrooms at their school. And so they have to go immediately start working instead of finishing school. And so providing bathrooms um, for those schools is, is one of our missions as well. And then obviously there's a lot of COVID-19 protocol that in um, America we've politicized and no matter your opinion on it, that it's, it's a sensitive topic. But out there, they just... They want medicine. They want ibuprofen. You know, they want things to help them um, survive. And and I think the difference is that what what's so attractive about them. What have I what I've learned so much from Francis? It doesn't matter your material resources that you have. If you have each other and a good spirit, and you know, in his case, a, a connection with the Holy Spirit. Um, that's all you need. And the rest kind of takes care of itself. And so on November 11th this year, our goal is $70,000. I think we've already got like, you know, five to $10,000 already raised, but um, you'll see some content from me and Jack and and Melissa uh, start getting posted on LinkedIn, but you can, you can just go on November 11th. I think it's at seven o'clock East coast time. Um, I may be wrong. I'm going to check out the website, but uh, just log in from your computer at home and it's going to be 
you're probably going to laugh. You're probably going to cry. You're probably going to be motivated. And uh, ultimately we, we just are trying to make the world a little bit better place than we left it. And um, this organization with Francis, they support the women and elders and children out in Cameroon. Um, and so, you know, we have some really big uh, goals this year, but we uh, we're excited uh, of the buy-in that we've received, you know, from around the country, from people that haven't even met Francis um, of, of, what he he's doing out in Cameroon to help those people. Totally inspiring. We love that story. We've loved following along over the past couple of years, and we love being a part of that um, here at Bridge the Gap. So very exciting. We hope our listeners are going to be able to tune into that. We'll put all the information in the show notes. You can go to btgvoice.com. Make sure you connect with Nathan on social. You're going to want to follow his journey. He puts a lot of great content out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and other platforms. Uh, make sure you connect to me and Josh. So you can find uh, Lucas and Josh on LinkedIn and other platforms. Again, the mother site, btgvoice.com for all this information and more. And thanks again to all of our listeners for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you are informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.